Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name's Chris Badgett and I'm joined by a special guest, Nick Usborne from conversationalcopywriting.com. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for coming on the show, Nick. Yeah, you are very welcome. Glad to be here. Always good to talk with you. Absolutely. So check out conversationalcopywriting.com and nickusborn.com. But before we get into it, for the course creators and the membership site builders out there, what is the fundamental skill of copywriting? What is it? Copywriting. Well, I, I guess it's writing words that in some way contribute to making a sale. So it, it may not be, if I write a print ad for Johnny Walker whiskey, I'm a copywriter. Now, I'm, I'm, people don't look at the ad and then run down and buy a bottle of whiskey right there and then. It's like a branding ad. Or I could be writing the homepage of a, of a website, or I could be writing a sales letter or a sales email. So it's, it's, it's anything that contributes to a sale, either short-term or long-term. It's the words that we use to shift people's perception or tip them over into saying, you know what, I want to buy that. So yeah, we, we're, we're kind of persuaders, I guess, with words. In copywriting, or I guess if you were to unpack the word sale, sometimes we're selling ideas like in a yeah. teaching environment or in a relationship, we're kind of selling ourselves, I guess. Like how else are we selling besides taking money? Hey, we sell all the time. We sell, hey, if you and I were hanging out and we said, hey, let's get to the movies, and you said, I want to get a Star Wars movie, and I said, no, I want to get a Star Trek, then we're going to both try and sell each other on our choice because we, you know, and we can get really excited and passionate about it. We're actually selling all the time. You know, if you've got teenage kids, I know your kids are a little younger, but when they get to be teenagers, you're going to be selling them on the benefits of doing their homework. <laughs> so every, all of us are selling every day, one way or another. Uh, and so then when you take that over into the commercial world, uh, again, it is, it's, I kind of lost track of your question. <laughs> it, it is, it's about, one way or another, it's about persuasion and changing people's perceptions and encouraging them to think about, hey, it could be signing up. I, I, I could be a copywriter persuading you to vote for a different political party. All right. I could be, I could be trying to get you to be a vegan instead of just a regular vegetarian. So, so sometimes content, you know, you'll see a blog post and sometimes a blog post is, is just totally just editorial content, no, no end game at all. But very often the blog post is actually pre-selling. So if, if I write about conversational copywriting, I might write a blog post, which I do, and I'm trying to share interesting information and valuable information. But at the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, you know what? I just want to get these people into a place where they think, hey, this is really interesting. I should get next course or, or you, you know, whatever you're selling. So, so it can be, uh, it, it can be a straight sales task or it can be a pre-selling task or, hey, it could just be like sharing information so that you get to remember me and remember my brand or, or any company's brand. That's awesome. Now you have, if I remember correctly, 38 years of copywriting experience. And that includes, uh, you know, the corporate, like big copywriting yeah. clients yeah. down to, and then at all levels, helping small businesses, but also that experience in corporate, the world of copywriting and direct response marketing. Um, you know, that that's an old art that happened before the internet. Absolutely. 
Can you tell us a little bit about the history of copywriting? Hey, I think, the, like I said, the history of copywriting goes back to the, probably the origins of speech. You know, one person persuading another person to, we should hunt over there, no, we should hunt over there. Um, in terms of my experience, like I started in late 1979, I got my first job in copywriting. Um, and that was just straight print advertising I was doing. Uh, then I got into direct response copywriting. So that's a, that's a bit more kind of urgent, a bit more pushy, because you're trying to actually get someone to buy something right now. And you know that if it doesn't happen right now, it probably never will. So, so that's one of the, the kind of premise of direct response is to get people to take immediate action. So I did like tons and tons of direct mail packages back in my misspent youth as a, as a copywriter. And uh, then the web came along. I, I, actually, I created my first website back in 1995. So that was pretty early. And then I started doing web writing full time and professionally in 1997. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of what I learned uh, as, a, as a print copywriter, uh, it transfers but some of it doesn't so it's, it's it's a kind of interesting journey because some of my skill set i still use and some of the skill set for copywriting for persuading online is actually very very different so it's a really interesting kind of mashup to my mind awesome well we'll circle back to that difference but first i just want to ask for the listener out there if you were to share like some pieces of copy or examples that <clears throat> that you particularly like like let's say an example, great headline or, or something. Well, if in your opinion, what's an example of a great piece of copy? Wow. Well, there are lots of them out there. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you two. So one is in fact from the world of print. This is from the UK uh, going back to the 1980s, I believe. And it was for an insurance company. Uh, and uh, I always forget the copywriter's name, but she's just fantastic. And the company was called uh, Commercial Union. And she used to write the, like, like before her, uh, insurance company copywriting was just deathly dull. I mean, if you take the dullness of, of the insurance business and just amplify it, that's what advertising for the insurance industry was like. And she came to it with a totally different, voice and tone and for commercial union she uh, her tagline was we won't make a drama out of a crisis and it was all about you know while other companies are messing around draining you with paperwork we'll just come out and visit you deal with we'll deal with it and write you a check and as a copywriter in fact with that she wrote a whole series of ads but they all had this tagline we won't make a drama out of a crisis and it's a promise all right, it's a promise, and it's a promise of difference, which is key. You know, if, if you're an insurance company trying to differentiate, differentiate yourself from another insurance company, and fundamentally you do the same thing, and fundamentally you're both deathly dull, uh, then it can be, it's, it's very hard to come up with something interesting, a, a big promise. And she did that. We won't make a drama out of a crisis. She transformed that company. Actually, she transformed the entire industry with just her, the first few ads she wrote. Uh, actually, her, her entire career was built on that success. So, so that to me, in terms of, you know, that, that's big business, deathly boring business, and a great piece of copywriting. Uh, that came out of the UK. A, a lot of my examples come out of the UK because that's where I'm from originally. That's where I kind of learned my craft uh, before I came over to, and as you know, I, I live in Canada now. 
have done for 30 years, but I got my start in the UK. Another piece of copywriting, which, which people, people probably won't view as copywriting, is, is actually the name of a coffee shop in Dublin, Ireland. And it's a very small little coffee shop. And the name of the coffee shop, and it's kind of written in big letters on the wall, is Meet Me in the Morning. And it's like the first time I saw that, I thought, man, that, that, that is amazing. It's like, again, there are so many coffee shops and they all say the same thing and they all make the same promise about their coffees and their, the gourmet this and the small batch roaster that and the organically sourced beans this. There's maybe like five stories that are just recycled by almost every small coffee shop in the world. And this, this place, it just says, meet me in the morning. That reminds me of a, uh, a bar in the college town I grew up in called, in, in North Carolina, the name of the bar was He's Not Here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I love that one too. Because <laughs> both, both of them, like, engage you. You, you, have, now, you have to take part. Like, the meet me in the morning. Like, where did that come from? Who said that? Was that a guy to a girl or a girl to a guy or two friends or two strangers saying, meet me in the morning, like at the coffee shop? Had they been in a bar or a party the night before, meet me in the morning? What, what was that about? Maybe it was a business thing. Maybe it was personal. Maybe it was the beginning of new love. Who knows? So, so what it does by saying, meet me in the morning, and, and I love this because so much copywriting and marketing is where the marketer is, is pushing a message at you. You know, we are the best, we are the greatest, whatever, do this, do that. A lot of advertising, bad advertising or mediocre advertising is when the, the marketer is pushing and telling and trying to force you into, trying to force you to change your mind about something and buy their stuff. Whereas he's not here or meet me in the morning is the opposite of that. It draws you in. It, it like engages you. It makes you think. It makes you kind of... And then try and, try and kind of source all the different stories out of your own mind. It's like, what does this mean? What could this be? And it, it kind of evokes, it stimulates your imagination. So I must remember that one. That's, that's another great example. Was it, he's not here. Yeah, that's the name of the bar. The bar, he's not here. So you picture a bartender answering the phone, he's not here. Or I don't know. <laughs> that's what always came up for me. But uh, it does invite a story. And you... Yeah. Uh, I was reading a blog post on your, your site, I believe it was on nickusborn.com, where you were talking about the difference between engagement and sales messages. Like, right. what's the difference? Can you elaborate more on that? Well, we did, in, in a sense, we just, we just kind of took, hey, I got to interrupt you with one thing, because this is just great. So, how do you pronounce my name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Osborne? Osborne. 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 Oh, yeah. I, I'm only laughing that the people watching and listening won't realize this, but we talked about this before we hit record. So you said, I've got to get this right. I've got to get this right. What's your, how do I pronounce your name? <laughs> you hit record, I messed it up twice already. You it wrong twice. <laughs> totally, totally irrelevant. So the difference between, it's, it's that same thing. It's so many uh, marketers and copywriters think, hey, my task is a copywriter. They think my task is to use tips, tricks, devices, persuasion to change your mind. Chris, I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to make you love this where you didn't love it before, that kind of thing. And that can work in some circumstances to some degree. But if 
I think to myself, you know, the chances of my getting Chris to change his mind right here and now is it, it's kind of slim. I, I'm not sure I can do that. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to say, hey, Chris, I got this idea. Why don't we or why don't I give you this or can I ask you this? So let me ask you a question or, hey, could you just spend like literally 30 seconds to complete this, for, this survey for me or poll? So now what I'm doing is I'm saying, you know what, I, I'm not going to try to get Chris to take out his credit card right now because I don't think I can do that, but I can engage him. And if I talk to Chris back and forth, if I if, 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 if he says, hey, Nick, yeah, by all means, send me an email, by all means, ask, you know, invite me to fill out this, this survey or whatever. If I can get a little bit, if, if I can interest you and I can get you to trust me, if by engaging with you, you begin to feel, you know what, I, I think this Nick guy is okay. Yeah, I mean, he's okay. He's not out to ruin me off. He seems like a legitimate guy. So then, like in the third, fourth communication, I say, look, I really think you're going to love this product, this service. Um, and if you don't like it, just let me know and I'll refund the money. Now I think I've got a much better chance of closing that sale. And I think I can do it just by pushing you, by bullying you, by using tricks. But I think if I can engage with you a bit, if I can get you to, if I can help you get to know me a little bit, yeah. So now, now I think I'm in, in a better position to make the sale. So I think a lot of copywriters and marketers and, and, and kind of small business startups are too anxious to say, "Hey, we gotta, we, we gotta, we gotta smack that. We gotta smack this prospect. We gotta hit them hard and convert them right now." And, and like I say, sometimes that'll work, and, and it works better in some industries and verticals and categories than others. But I think long term, uh, you're much better off building a relationship with your audience. And I think even though I may get the sale from you uh, in two weeks rather than today, I think at the end of the month, my conversion rate is now going to be higher because I've taken the trouble to engage with you. And you now are going to recognize my name, remember my name, feel that you trust me. So the next time I send you something, you don't think, oh man, that's the pushy loud guy. But oh, okay, this guy was, I remember him, he was cool. He gave me some interesting information. I trust him. Now you're going to open that email and maybe I can get to sell you something else as well. That's awesome. And it's almost like, you know, the, the need or the desire arises inside the person just from the relationship and the conversation. In the, Dao, in the Dao De Jing, one of my favorite quotes has to do with where it was about leadership where basically the best leaders, you know, the people say they did it all by themselves. Like the leader is almost irrelevant. Right. right. I, I, I want, by engaging with you, I'm, I'm putting you in a place where you make the sale to yourself. You make the choice. I'm not pushing you. I'm not tricking you. I'm not flooding you with 22 extra bonuses and saying that this offer runs out at midnight tonight. And all right, so I have to be clear here I, I might actually offer you some bonuses but i'll try to do it in a in a reasonable way and i might actually tell you that this offer expires at midnight uh, and i'll do that because i know that that will have a huge impact most of us will put off almost any purchase and i know that if i send out an email today and say hey buy my stuff you know me you trust me buy, buy my stuff uh, and maybe you will but i know that if i say hey We've been chatting for a while. You're ready to buy this stuff. And if I say, oh, by the way, for whatever reason, and it's going to be a legitimate reason, I say, this is, there's a cutoff at midnight tonight. 
I'm probably going to sell twice as much in that day if I have a deadline. So that this goes back to what I was saying before, is that when I moved from the print world of direct response into the web, some things are different. The web is far more about engagement than, than pushing, but some things are the same. If I say the word free to you, if I say now, um, if I say sale, it still has that same impact online as offline. If I say, you know, if, 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 if I'm putting on a conference and I'm nearly full up and I say, hey, Chris, you better hurry. We've only got three seats left. That's scarcity. Scarcity works online as well as offline. If I say, hey, we're closing the doors, we're closing the shopping cart at midnight, that works. So really, it's a matter of balance. Like what I want to do as a marketer is I want to be conversational. I want to engage with you. I want to be totally transparent and honest with you because I, I think, in fact, transparency and honesty, uh, the best sales tools of all. People love it when they suddenly realize, wow, this guy's totally open and honest and transparent with me. That's amazing. I think that's a very powerful sales tool. So I'm, I'm very big on that. But at the same time, I'm not going to ignore the fact that there are certain things that I know will trigger more sales. There are certain words, there are certain things like scarcity and, and immediacy and running out of time. These work. So I'll use them, but I'll try to embed them within a more, like I said, transparent, legitimate uh, approach. What, what, what are the, uh, there's this wonderful copywriter called Drayton Bird, who's been doing this for like over 50 years and he's still very active. And he, he, he'll send me an email saying, okay, Nick, um, this whole thing of like using the word sale, you know, people use that because it really works. And so that's why you see sale, sale, sale and everything. And he, he's in fact sharing this insight with his audience. And then he says, oh, by the way, which reminds me, I've got a sale for this product I want to sell you. And he's like, and at that point, you have to smile because what he's doing is he's saying, I'm going to play this trick on you. I'm going to play it on you because it works. So here's the trick. And now I'm going to do it. And so it it's like, becomes an inside joke. So it's almost like he's he's like saying, you guys, my audience, like we're – I, I, I know you like me, I love you guys, and we know each other well enough that we can be playful like this. But at the same time, when he does put the word sale in there, he is going to sell more of his stuff. So he's being, he's totally, it's like the magician showing how he does his trick. It's totally disarming, all right? So whenever you're selling something, you know this, the most extreme version is if you go to a used car lot and that crappy salesman comes out and starts pushing you to buy something before you leave the lot. And you can feel in yourself all those defenses and barriers coming up. You know what I mean? It's, it's like shutters coming down in a window. You're defending yourself against this salesperson. And that is always there. It is always there to some degree. You're really aware of it. You know, someone knocks on your door to sell you something or you get a, you're buying a car. You're very aware of that feeling that, wow, I just, I'm, just, I'm now defending myself. But it's there always, whatever we're buying, whether we're in a store or whether we're online, there's always some element of that. So as a good copywriter, which Drayton Bird absolutely is, what he's doing is he is he's disarming people so they lower those defences so they don't feel that they have to defend against him selling. Uh, so, yeah, that, that openness and transparency in combination uh, with kind of proven copywriting approaches can be super powerful. 
At the beginning of this episode, we talked about the definition of copywriting. If you're, if you're doing an elevator pitch of what is conversational copywriting, how do you present the idea? Uh, well, it, it's it, very much as we've been talking about. It's, it's the whole business of instead of pushing and writing and shouting at an audience and saying, you must buy, it's much more about engaging with an audience. So that if I'm right, if I'm if I'm doing traditional copywriting, that comes out of the old days before the web. So if you think about media before the web, they were one-way media, like a TV is a one-way broadcast medium. I sit and I watch, and my favorite TV show is interrupted by advertising. I can't I can't talk back. I can't interact with a TV or a radio, or a print ad, or a billboard. Old school media are one-way broadcast media. So as copywriters in those media, we had to be quite pushy because we were. All, it was always an interruption. I'm interrupting your favorite TV show or radio show. We're always pretty much unwelcome because you'd rather there weren't ads in that show. So yeah, I have to raise my voice. I have to push. I have to be dramatic in some way to grab and hold your attention. Now we move over to the web which is not a one-way broadcast medium. It's a two-way, it's multi-way. Uh, if I, if you know, I, as a consumer, I can use the web as much as you can as a business or as a company. It's no longer a medium that is owned by, by uh, you know, broadcasters or companies. So this is a multi-way medium. So that, that writing at an audience that used to work so, and still works well in traditional broadcast offline media, that doesn't work so well online because it's like people do have a voice. And, and if you if you make mistakes, if you're United Airline and you're a bit left-handed and you constantly make mistakes, uh, people pick up on it and talk about it. You, you can't hide on the web. And if you're too pushy, if you're too relentless, people notice it, people talk about it. I can talk about it. If, 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 you, treat, if you treat me badly, I can talk about that on Twitter. I can talk about it on Facebook. I can talk about it. I can shoot a video and put it on YouTube. I have a voice as well. So in a sense, it's like, it's like, duh, if I'm going to be a copywriter, if I'm going to be a persuader online, I have to recognize that this is a multi-way medium. I have to be more respectful of my audience. Are they going to bite me? And I have to be more conversational because it's a conversational medium. Hey, social media is by definition conversational. It's interactive. Uh, if you look at a smartphone, more and more people are doing everything on their smartphones, all their social media, lots of their web browsing, their email, their chat. Well, it's a phone. What is phone? It's a conversational device. It always has been about conversation. So with conversational copywriting, all I'm doing is I'm taking that step from, it's like to me, it, 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 is, it is so self-evident. It is so clear. It is so obvious that if you're trying to be a persuader or a copywriter, in a multi-way medium like the web, in a social and conversational medium like the web, well, you have to be conversational. And that's why a lot of companies that have not made this transition and are still using the kind of traditional, you know, shouting at the audience, trying to make you change your mind if I push hard enough and I turn up the volume enough and I'm loud enough, uh, companies like that uh, you know, it's working less and less well because people, you know, particularly generations younger than me and generations younger than you, you know, I watch my kids and, 
and my grandkids even, how they interact with the web, how they interact with merchants. Uh, and they do not respond to that old school approach at all. Uh, I mean, just totally. They, in fact, they're totally tuned out. They, they, you know, look, my 18 year old stepdaughter, she doesn't watch TV. She doesn't watch TV ads. It's, it's all streaming. You know, her ads, her, her marketing comes to her uh, through Snapchat and Instagram and things like that. And these are social, interactive, conversational places. So I'm simply going where it's at. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of going with the tide. I'm not trying to push against the tide. I think a lot of businesses, a lot of copywriters are still trying to swim against the tide. I'm just riding this huge wave of like, dude, it is conversational. You know, either get with it or you're going to be going against the tide or the wave or whatever. I'm mixing my metaphors here. That's awesome. Well, I want to come back to a, a, the example you said about naming a coffee shop and, or a bar or whatever. But for the course creator, the membership site creator, um, let's, do you know what a Russian kettlebell is? I know what a kettlebell is. I don't know what a Russian kettlebell is. Like for working out, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah, a kettlebell, yeah. So let's, let's imagine um, somebody, uh, let's say, maybe has some Russian heritage lives in the, the States and wants to train, um, you know, 40 year old dads, how to get back in shape with the kettlebell workout, work at home routines in 15 minutes. Right. And if they're going to name that course, there's a couple of things I want you to advise on from a copywriting perspective. If they were going to name <laughs> is this, that. Is this a real example or are you just making it up? I'm just making it up. Okay. <laughs> and uh, let's say, this person's like really fit and they want to, you know, they, they decide they want to work with this niche. Um, how do they come up with such a compelling, like a, a well-written name for their course besides just kettlebell for 40 year old dads. And then they have three like, you know, options like the, the gold, the silver and the platinum, you know, way to get the course plus extra benefits like, how does somebody like that find their voice and learn how to engage with conversational copywriting, starting with naming their program itself? Right. So, okay, putting me on the spot, right? So, yeah. first of all, if it's like that, that, that's something that's very visual, right? Any, any kind of fitness, any kind of training is very visual. So, I'm immediately thinking in terms of YouTube, I'm thinking... Uh, you know, very short video clips for, for Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. So I'm thinking visual. Visual. I'm thinking showing, like a lot more showing than talking. I, I'm going to demonstrate it. I'm going to show it. I'm going to feature 40-year-old guys. Uh, hey, maybe I'll go to a parking lot and invite a whole bunch of strangers and a whole bunch of 40-year-old strangers. And then I might even, let, let, let's say I start playing around with that. And let, okay, let's say I take this public. I take my kettlebells out to whatever. Uh, you know, the parking lot at a game or at Walmart or where it's some public space and I get people involved and, it, and it's like real life and I'm, and I'm filming it just on my phone and I'm uploading it. And maybe as I, as I build a little bit of traction with this, maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this on Facebook. Maybe I'll buy, maybe I'll spend a couple hundred bucks on, on to boost some of those videos on Facebook. So I get people kind of interested in it. And hey, if I'm using real people, uh, then for sure they're going to share it with their friends and say, hey, look, I was this dude took this picture of me doing the kettlebell, look at me do the kettlebell thing in the parking lot at Walmart. Now I've got some engagement, I've got some community, I've got some traffic going out, and maybe one of the first things I'm going to do is saying, hey, I, I, like, I'll, I'll tell, I'll be transparent, all right? 
I'll say, look, I, I'm going to build a whole course on this. Like, like we did five minutes with these guys in the parking lot. This is something you can learn. This is something that can make a huge difference to your life, to your body, to your health, to your relationships, to, to everything. And we are going to build a course around this. But you know what? We haven't figured out what to call it yet. What do you think? What do you think? Just write down below. Just write. So I'm going to do this video, right? So, so I, I, I'm in Facebook now. So I'm saying, look, just write below in the comments. What, and I can do the same in YouTube in the comment stream, right? I can do the same thing on Instagram comment stream. What do you think? What should we call it? And, and, and maybe I'll come and maybe I can do this live. Maybe I can do this as a live video thing. So, okay, we've got some ideas coming in now. So this is like, all right, so this is web marketing as opposed to old school marketing. Old school marketing, the copywriter would have sat down to craft the perfect name for the course, right? If I'm online, I'm going to leverage that community aspect. Another thing I might do, uh, if I wanted to kickstart it, all right, I said, okay, I, I, I know the people, if I don't give them anything to go with, I'm going to get a lot of silence. So what I'm going to do is, is I'll, I'll go to Amazon, and I'm going to go to the fitness section, and I'm going to go to a whole bunch of different pages selling kettlebells. And I don't care what the marketers say, but I'm going to scroll down. I want to see what the buyers say. So now I'm looking at the buyers of kettlebells and I'm seeing some of the language they use, some of the phrases they use. And I might get like two or three ideas for names based on that. So again, what I'm doing is, is I'm putting aside my, my ego as a copywriter because old school copywriter, I had to do it all, right? I got to put aside that because in fact, probably the best name is not going to come from me. It's going to come from my audience. So I might, I might get things started by kind of looking at the language of bias of kettlebells and say, oh, look, I didn't realize that they would use that kind of term, that kind of phrase. So now I'm back onto my live Facebook feed or video or whatever. And I'm saying, okay, guys, look, let, let's come up with some ideas right now, right here, right now. And if, you, if yours is the one that we choose, you're going to get a prize of X, all right? So to get the ball rolling, here are three ideas I have. And, I, and I'm going to type them in, and I say, "Okay, that's it. That that's that's. I, I I don't like any of these completely yet, but let's kickstart this with those, and let's see what we come up with." So so now the whole thing is now becoming a community effort. So it's weird because what I'm doing is it is I'm you're saying Nick be a copywriter, and I'm actually turning your suggestion into a into marketing. It's a whole marketing idea now because I've been out to the Walmart parking lot or the game parking lot or, or wherever it is. Um, maybe I should maybe I should do it outside, but like pizza, you know. So it's slightly overweight, forty year old. I'm going to do it outside of the parking lot of a pizza shop. <laughs> and then if they come, if, yeah, if the pizza guy comes to get shoot me off, that'll make a great video as well. So, so I, you're saying Nick be a copywriter, and I'm saying, well, actually, no, let's not be a copywriter. Let's be a marketer, and let's recognise that this is there's a lot of visual potential here. Um, so I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <clears throat> That's awesome. I mean, that's, you're totally eating your own dog food and you're trying to start a conversation. And that's, uh, and also I really admire, like, as a course creator, the idea of getting out of the building from behind the computer and the video Absolutely. camera. Absolutely. To the Walmart parking lot with yeah. some prospects. Oh, by the <laughs> way, there is one old school thing I will do. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll do this a couple of times to make sure that it kind of works. And so long as it kind of works, the next time I get to the parking lot or a different parking lot, 
So this is like a this is like a sniff test to make sure. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll, I'll do it once or twice. Make sure it's not a complete disaster. If it's not, the next time I do it, I'm gonna ring up the local radio station, the local TV station, and the local newspapers, and say, Hey, do you want to come check it? We've done this three times now, and it's awesome. We're gonna be at such and such a place, and you're gonna see a whole bunch of out of shape, forty something year old guys, you know, beating themselves to death with with kettlebells. Uh, so maybe some of those maybe some of those media people will turn up. Maybe they won't. Depends on the news day, but worth a try. So that's old, that's old school. All right. So and why not? Why not? Why not give myself that extra exposure if I can get it? That's neat. <clears throat> well, over on your website, which we'll have a link to in the show notes, okay. um, you have a thing uh, that people can sign up and they can get your five quick and easy ways to make your writing more conversational. Right. Can you can you uh, Break the ice on what a few of those might be. I could if you warned me in advance. <laughs> Reminded myself <laughs> what they were. Hey, a lot of it, a lot of it, a lot of it. I don't remember the the one to five. I should probably, I should probably have looked at that before the call. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. It's, it, it's about using engaging language and not pushy language. Uh, I think one of the things I talk about there, and if I don't, you can have it as a number six. Um, is story, telling stories. So, so we, we, we touched on this right at the beginning with your, my coffee shop and your bar, is it was stimulating this idea of, of story, telling the story of what happened last, why, why, why are you going to see this person in the morning and why isn't he here? So you're stimulating stories. Stories are incredibly powerful. If you, if you go, into, go into a bar, go into a coffee shop and you see people talking, see people in conversation, a lot of them will be sharing stories. Like, oh, you know, you never, you never know what happened at the weekend. Or did you hear what Doug did at work this morning? Or uh, my kids were crazy this weekend. They did. We're always sharing stories. Stories are very, very powerful ways to, to engage with one another and to connect with one another. So that's certainly uh, one of the things that I look at. I'm also looking at a lot of writers, if they have any kind of training, um, I'm lucky I didn't go to university. I shouldn't say that, but, but I'm lucky insofar as I was never overtrained as a writer. All right, uh, I'm quite comfortable to break some laws of grammar because we do in conversation. We're, when we're actually in conversation, we don't structure our sentences properly. All right, we, we might we might have a sentence without a verb. We might start a paragraph with the word "and." Or, you know what I mean? So. In my writing, st- my writing style, if anyone reads any of my blog posts or anything on the site, it'll be almost like, oh, okay, I recognize Nick. He's like writing the same way he was talking on that podcast. It's like, wanna, yeah. I want to ask you a question on that specifically. One of the All challenges right. of course creators is writing their course description or their sales page. Right. Um, do you recommend, like when people are trying to find their voice and write like what, it's, what it is and what it's all about, to take that conversational approach to to the um, to the sales page, like how how would you advise somebody to kind of get into that, develop it's, those writing muscles? Well, developing writing muscles is easy. You just write. You just I, you know I probably I've probably written something all my not every day because I've taken vacations and things, but like during the week I pro- I probably uh, you know I probably uh, during the week. A day, um, I don't imagine a day goes by that I don't write a thousand words for something in, in emails, 
blog posts, work for other people, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I think it was a course description. I'll tell you one of the things I do, like my course description. And, and again, this is part of putting aside your, your ego in a way is somebody wrote to me, one of my, one of my, uh, people who takes my course and we, we have a Facebook, uh, page, like a private Facebook page. So there's a lot of people who completed the course like months ago, but they're still engaged in the Facebook page. And this lady wrote back, she said, oh, Nick, it's amazing. Every time I go back to your sales page, it's different. Something changes. She said, what's that about? And I said, really what happens is that I'm reading people's comments here in Facebook or in emails they send to me. And I think, huh, I hadn't really seen it that way. The way that person, the way my student has described some aspect, it's like, I'm not saying send me a testimonial. I'm just reading how they interact with me. And I'll very often pick up phrases and ways of seeing things that I hadn't really thought of before. And I'll take it and I'll rewrite part of my course description. So this is, this is a very, very powerful thing called mirroring. Mir mirroring is a terrible word to say. Um, if I, I, I have a post about this, a popular post, but it, this is like a real kind of ninja copywriting trick, all right? And again, it's about the copywriting and putting, copywriting and putting aside his or her ego. So if I have a website about coffee makers, I'm selling coffee makers, and I invite people to be constantly engaging with me, whether it's through be comment streams on the website or through social media. And I notice a few people say to me very close to the phrase, um, I wish I could find a plastics free coffee maker. If I, if I had one of those things, I would then write a headline that says, if you've ever wished for a plastics free coffee maker, I'm not writing a fancy headline. I am repeating the exact phrase back to the reader. So this is the phrase that that individual may not have used, but people like him who are interested in making coffee, a lot of people are using that phrase or a very close phrase very close to it. I will take that and I will mirror it back to them. And this is, like I say, an absolute ninja trick is that is that people are incredibly responsive to that. that that's why you're, you're always advised if you're writing a Google AdWords ad, that the headline on your Google's AdWords ad should be very similar to the headline on the landing page. There's that familiarity of, oh, I'm in the right place. Or if, I, if I'm taking what other people say, that's why I go to places like Amazon and I read the comment streams. And I encourage feedback in, in Facebook. I'm, I'm really fascinated. I, really, hey, I, I think one of the biggest tricks of, of writing well, writing good copy online, is constantly crawling inside the head of your prospect and your customer. Just get out of your own head of like, I'm the boss of this. And just say, you know what? No, I'm just going to crawl inside the head of my audience. What is their language? What are their priorities? What upsets them? What delights them? Never mind what I think. What I think honestly doesn't matter at all. What really matters is what they think, what they feel, how they talk, the language they use, and I try to mirror that back to them. And when I do that, the better I get at that, of being inside their heads and mirroring back to them what they already feel and think and believe, uh, that's when I make the most sense. That's beautiful. So conversational copywriting is about setting your ego aside, yeah. uh, making a commitment to crawl inside your audience's head. And like you said, uh, I think a commitment to continuous improvement. Like when you find 
yeah. deeper resonance with your audience, you might as well take advantage of that opportunity to update your your sales copy wherever it is. Let me ask you one more specific tactical question that I always wondered about as far as the different approaches, which is if you have buttons on your website or a call to action at the end of something that's a link or whatever, I, I think there's advice like, should you say like, I'm ready, exclamation point? Should you put it in their voice or just stick with buy now or try to find words that like, what's your right. advice around call to action specifically? Okay. So this is, this is based on a ton of testing. Um, I did some work a few years ago where every single day for a whole year I was involved in testing. We tested like thousands and thousands of variables on, on sales pages, emails, things like that. So when it comes to that button, there are certain things like if you're, if you're, if you're Amazon.com and you're selling hopefully more than one item per sale, you're going to say add to cart. That's fine. If you are GoDaddy or a domain, some other domain sales company, add to cart. Yeah, because you want me to add another domain and stuff like that. If I'm selling a course, if we're selling kettlebells, and if I, I often call the call to action as the, the tail of the headline. So if our big promise in the headline after doing all our stuff in the parking lots is, you know, uh, people want to feel strong, feel strong, not be strong, not be, but feel strong. Uh, and and we, we write a headline based on all that input. Or maybe, maybe one of our readers has created the headline for us about feel strong. Uh, then in my button, yes, I'll probably say, Yes, I'm ready to feel strong. Yes, I want to feel strong. So I'll, I'll put that's so that's like the tail of the headline, right? I got a promise in the headline, and what I'm doing again is this in part is this mirroring thing. Is I like, I might I might have a paid click ad about feeling strong. I got a headline about feeling strong. I got a call to action, so they're all reinforcing and the constant is yeah 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 this is it, and, and I'll particularly get that affirmative yeah 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 if. If I draw the headline from the reader rather than from my clever little copywriting brain, because they're already that it, this is their stuff. It's not my stuff. It's their stuff. I got it from them. That is awesome. Thank you. I also, I, I wanted to ask you on your website, conversationalcopywriting.com, you have a manifesto. Yeah. And one of the things that jumped out at me in your manifesto, which is several points, but I wanted to ask you why do you have the test of the copy that um, to, to make sure that you would feel comfortable with that copy in front of your mother, or your partner, or your family? Why do you? Why is that part of the deal? So that you don't become a sneaky little, <laughs> sneaky little. I can't. Can I use bad language on your podcast? Sure, sure. <laughs> you can't. You can't be a sneaky little scumbucket. So sometimes with the dis, you know, you get the trolls and stuff on the web. Sometimes the, when you're anonymous, when there's a distance, you can be a bit of a scumbucket, a bit of a dick, and, and I can teach you and I can, I can sell to you and manipulate you and stuff like that because you don't know me. I'm hiding behind the curtain on the web. I'm not doing the social thing. I'm not showing my face or my name. Uh, so now I can behave badly because you can't see me and I don't have the kind of moral compass to understand that <laughs> I shouldn't do it anyway. So, so this is a, so the whole thing about the conversational copywriting part of it that comes through, hopefully, in that manifesto. There are 15 points there. Is that idea of decency, transparency, honesty. 
All right. So here's the thing. If you're going to write some sales copy, you're trying to sell me something and you sit your wife or your mom or your kid across the kitchen table and you read that out, are you going to feel embarrassed? Are you going to think, oh, my God, my kid's going to think I'm an asshole? It's like, you know, this is, this, you know what I mean? Like if, if it doesn't pass that kind of family test of reading it to your kids, uh, if you don't feel comfortable or proud enough, uh, I used to get this when I started out. When I, when I just started out as a copywriter in my very early 20s, and I'd go home to my mum and dad, and they'd say, "Oh, how's the new job, Nick?" And I'd say, "Oh, it's going great." And they said, "Well, can you see? You know, can I see some of your stuff?" And I, I would stop and I think, "Well, actually, yeah, I'll, I'll show them this one and that one. I'm not sure I want to show them that one. It's kind of sneaky." <laughs> and uh, that was probably in those very early days. I was beginning to kind of get that sense of, "Well, hang on." should I feel comfortable writing stuff that I wouldn't feel comfortable showing to my mom? Yeah. So that, that's part of it. That's part of it. So, so the manifesto is there. It's, it's like, Hey, the, what, what I love about the whole approach of conversational copywriting, what I'm doing there is one, it's the kind of decency, honesty, transparency. I like that. But then people say, yeah, Nick, that's all very well, but we've got to make a living. And I can now counter with saying, Funny you should say that because actually this approach not only is open, transparent and honest and decent, but it works better than your old school selling, pushing hat people. So, you know, you're being a better person and you're doing a better job for yourself or your client or your course or whatever it is. Uh, so that's, that's why I get super excited about it because it actually works better and it allows me to feel like a decent human being as a marketer and a copywriter. That's awesome. Well, if you're resonating with this, I'd encourage you to check out conversationalcopywriting.com. Nick has a course on the topic. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom with us because it's been a great conversation. And we're hopefully helping a lot of course creators and membership site builders get unstuck, get out of the building, start talking to people and uh, embrace a new way of communication. So thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. Hey, if we get feedback, like I say, like I say, I'm all about the feedback. So if we get interesting feedback from this, uh, please share it with me. And uh, maybe we can build that into something, something else down the road. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, go check okay. out conversationalcopywriting.com. Is there anywhere else people can connect with you, Nick? Uh, you can get to any, anything else I do. You can get to me through there. So that's the best place to go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Much appreciated.